Welcome to the Willie Jackson Experiment. I'm your host, the one, the only, Willie Jackson. Alright, so I got a great show for you guys. Um, I was kind of talking to somebody at work, and they were like, Dude, did you hear about this planet Nibiru? And I was like, nah. And uh, come to find out, it's kind of some kind of a legend where it has this like 3,500 year orbit and it's supposed to like come in contact with Earth. I guess they said it was supposed to hit Earth in like 2003 in its orbit. And then come to find out, it was more aligned with the Mayan calendar for like 2012. And it didn't happen and all the astronomers were going out there trying to see if they could see uh if it's true or not and they haven't seen it so uh it's kind of one of those things i i thought that was interesting so i kind of wanted to look into it i will give you guys a a real uh disclaimer warning uh they do talk about your anus quite a bit in here so, you know, they talk about objects around Uranus and they talk about the orbit of Uranus. So, um, just giving you guys a heads up to, you know, just, um, you know, viewer discretion is advised. If you don't want to hear about Uranus, then you might not want to watch this program. But uh, it's um, it's pretty interesting. I, I went out there and I found as much info as I could. And, and like I say, there there is disturbing content in this episode. So you have kids or um you know anybody that's sensitive um you might want to just not have them listen to all the parts about uranus but i really appreciate all you guys joining up um i put the descriptions of the videos in the in my actual uh, audio so um if you enjoy the content then get out there and subscribe to those and uh i really appreciate you guys joining every week uh, i've had a really good time doing this and uh so hope you enjoy this episode about nibiru or planet x so enjoy You know, I'm proud to have that German blood. There's no question about it. Great stuff. Dude. They're a husk. They're a husk. Me. Do. Do must. Do must. Me. Do. They're a husk. They're a husk. Me. They're a husk. Me. They're a husk. Me. Frog. The hot mission drug. The hot mission drug. Get that. Well, still, beast, yeah. Oh, shy. That drug is I. You're out. Night. Well, still, beast, yeah. Oh, shy. That drug is I. You're out. Night. 
Nibiru the Primal Being is without a doubt one of the strongest hand traps in the Yu-Gi-Oh trading card game. In fact, it's easily one of the most impactful TCG World Premier cards ever created, giving you the ability to wipe every face-up monster your opponent has on the field right off the board as well as summon a colossal 3,000 attack monster simultaneously. It single-handedly won numerous high-caliber duels as well as changed the way competitive Yu-Gi-Oh is played. When you see players trade lightly mid combo or even taking special care not to summon more than five times during a turn make no mistake these are entirely because of the creation of Nibiru and those duelists know everything could come crashing down if they aren't careful and take special precautions but what if I told you that was only the tip of the iceberg when it came to this massively powerful card what if I told you that Nibiru was actually designed after a real-life planet that could potentially end our world just as easily as Nibiru and Yu-Gi-Oh duels. In this video, I'll tell you the story of the rogue knife planet Nibiru, as well as separate facts from loose theories. Let's get to the bottom behind what some believe is the knife planet in our solar system just waiting to be discovered. In our solar system, there are eight official planets, Mercury, Venus, Earth, Mars, Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus, and Neptune. Long ago, when I was in elementary school, we were taught that Pluto was our ninth and final planet, but the International Astronomical Union reclassified Pluto as a dwarf planet in 2006. But as I mentioned earlier, many believe that there is truly a ninth planet hidden in our solar system, planet Nibiru. First, let's start with the origins of Nibiru. Planet Nibiru first came to the forefront of the public around 1976 with the publishing of The Twelfth Planet by Zachariah Sitchin. In this book, Sitchin used his own unique translation of the Samarian cuneiform to identify the planet. Sitchin was a journalist and a student of Samarian cuneiform. These are ancient writings of Mesopotamia and Persia, mainly on clay tablets. According to Sitchin, humanity was not the the product of natural selection, but instead was bioengineered by a species of aliens called the Anunnaki. Sitchin believed the Anunnaki were originally from planet Nibiru and had once even colonized in southeastern Africa. Sitchin claimed that planet Nibiru would approach the Earth once every 3,600 years, and that's where some of the doomsday predictions arose from. Despite not being taken seriously at all by historians, scientists, or the scientific community, Sitchin's book has sold millions of copies and some say has even led to widespread hysteria. Much of this hysteria was caused by self-proclaimed psychic Nancy Leader in 1995, the codename Nibiru Cataclysm foretells a planetary apocalyptic event in which planet Nibiru comes in contact with the Earth during the course of its orbit and destroys the Earth during the impact. According to Nibiru theory supporters, the planet is supposed to be around 10 times the size of the Earth, roughly right between the sizes of Saturn and Jupiter. Also, they believed even if Nibiru did not make direct contact with the Earth, just by coming close enough to its path, the Earth would undoubtedly suffer countless natural disasters. This all sounds pretty dreadful and like quite the doomsday prediction, right? Well, luckily for all of us living on Earth, the original prediction date of this catastrophic impact was supposed to happen 17 years ago in 2003. After, of course, it did not, the date was pushed back nearly a decade to further match up with the Mayan calendar in 2012. In 2011, when Comet Elenin appeared, many Nibiru supporters believed that it was the prophecy at hand and that the world was going to end. 
the supporters completely ignored scientific facts such as comets and planets looking vastly different under the conditions of a telescope. Comets have a gas atmosphere called a coma and a tail, while planets of course do not. So once again, the doomsday prophecy of Nibiru colliding with the Earth turned out to be nothing more than fan fiction at best. In fact, to that end, after being wrong about the original 2003 prediction, our earlier mentioned self-proclaimed psychic Nancy Leader publicly said that her prediction was simply a white lie to fool the establishment and that if she revealed the true date, the government would declare martial law, trapping millions in cities, leading to their deaths. I understand how this sounds, but look, I never said that the people behind the Nibiru story weren't totally batshit crazy, so take that for what it is. Also, here's a picture of Mike Tyson from the 90s, apparently wearing a Nibiru tie, so I guess he was a supporter of the theory as well. It doesn't have much to do with the video, but hey, I found the picture, so I'm going to use it. One reason planet Nibiru is not supported by the scientific community is its orbital path. It just doesn't make any sense. Planet Nibiru is supposed to take 3600 years to orbit the sun, which technically could be possible. Dwarf planet Sedna, which is totally a real planet, one run its closest point to the sun during its orbit, it's still over 70 billion miles away. But planet Nibiru, on the other hand, has a path that supposedly brings it closer to the inner parts of our solar system to the likes of Earth, Mercury, Venus, and Mars. Despite having an orbital path that would have planet Nibiru be at some points 4 trillion miles away from the sun. This is why I said earlier that Nibiru's planetary orbital path, or its suggested orbital path, just doesn't really make a lot of sense and it would be unlike the other 8 planets in our solar system. In fact, its shape would be more like the shape of a stick or something. Not to mention to complete Nibiru's orbit, the planet would have to be moving almost 4,700 miles per hour, which is four times the speed of Earth. Now, the speed isn't necessarily the problem here, as planets like Jupiter also travel through space faster than Earth. Jupiter clocking in at around a mind-blowing 30,000 miles per hour is, however, when such a giant planet like Nibiru, which, again, for the record, is supposed to be about the size of Jupiter is moving at that type of speed on such a narrow, unstable, and irregular orbital path unlike anything that we've seen before. In fact, this is so problematic that many scientists argue Nibiru's own velocity and sheer size would probably give it a major risk for being ejected out of our solar system entirely. So if planet Nibiru was out there on its unbelievable orbital path, it doesn't seem very likely that it would be on that path for long. Keep in mind that the eight planets in our solar system pretty much stay on the same orbital path constantly, and they've been on this orbital path as long as our solar system has been around, which is a little over 4.5 billion years. More reasons planet Nibiru isn't supported by the scientific community is the lack of tangible evidence. Let's get pretty sciencey right now. First off, there has never been a single documented sighting of Nibiru, and there doesn't even seem to be any of the basic telltale signs. Let's take, for example, the planet Uranus, which was discovered in 1781. Many years after discovering Uranus, scientists kept noticing that the planet was constantly deviating off of its expected orbital path. This led scientists to hypothesize that there was another planet nearby affecting its orbit, one that they simply hadn't discovered yet. 
Fast forward about 60 years in the future to 1846, and exactly what they thought was in fact at hand as Neptune was discovered. Just for reference, Neptune and Uranus are basically identical in size. So at this point, we have to ask ourselves, if planet Nibiru really is out there and it's supposed to be almost the size of Jupiter, why haven't we seen any signs of its gravitational force, which is more evident in larger planets such as Jupiter and Saturn? If every planet in our solar system orbits the sun on the same plane and has been doing so for billions of years, how is it possible that a planet that supposedly could come in contact with the Earth wouldn't knock some of the other planets off access or seriously alter their orbits around the sun? To put it in layman's terms, that's just not possible. In the end, the story of Planet Nibiru is just that, a story. It's fun to think about the card art of Nibiru the Primal Being and how it depicts exactly the doomsday tales foretold. In fact, you could even say that it's the perfect depiction of what happens to someone who is hit by Nibiru, as their entire world comes crashing down and they're generally left in ruin and demise, wondering how they'll muster the strength to go on. Heck, I'd even argue that the illogical doomsday hysteria caused by the myth of planet Nibiru actually mirrors the release of the actual card, which is probably the epitome of irony and quite genius when you think about it if that's what Jerome McHale and Konami R&D was going for. But scientifically speaking, it's nothing more than a fairy tale, or at least it is until we get way more tangible evidence that planet Nibiru is actually out there somewhere. Anyways, hopefully you guys enjoyed this short Yu-Gi-Oh! story. If you guys do like these type of videos, just let me know by giving the video a big thumbs up or by leaving a comment set or comments in the comment section letting me know so. These videos don't generally get as many views as some of the other videos that I post on this channel, but I kind of pride myself on these type of videos. I like to, you know, think that sometimes you can come to this channel and get a history lesson or even a science lecture and it still be in the context of Yu-Gi-Oh! And I feel like this is probably the only channel that can give you that. Anyways, hopefully you guys enjoyed the video. If you did, give the video a thumbs up. Thank you guys for watching. As always, subscribe if you have not already. And turn on that notification bell for daily videos. For many of us, living in an eight-planet solar system is a fundamental pillar in our scientific knowledge. With Pluto having been demoted to a dwarf planet in 2006, Neptune is the last planet to have been discovered in our solar system. Neptune was first observed with a telescope in 1846, and since then there's been widespread discussion about whether or not there's another planet beyond it. This hypothetical planet is what astronomers refer to as Planet X. But could Planet X really exist? Discovering a ninth planet in our solar system almost two centuries after the last discovery may seem far-fetched, but it's actually way more likely than you might think. In fact, the existence of Planet X would account for a lot of anomalies that scientists have noticed, such as the seemingly erroneous orbits of some trans-Neptunian objects, or TNOs. Let's dig a little deeper. The story of how Neptune was discovered can provide some important insight into the possible existence of Planet X. Neptune is not visible to the naked eye, having only been observed via telescope for the first time in 1846. Uranus had been discovered in 1781, and in the interim, calculations had been made about its orbit. 
Astronomical tables calculating the orbit of Uranus were published in 1821 using Newton's laws, which is the scientific standard. Using these, one could presumably reliably pinpoint the position of Uranus at any given time in the future. However, there was a problem. Subsequent observations of Uranus showed deviations in its orbit, which seemed to defy Newton's laws. There were few reasons for this that we could explain. It was possible that the effect of the Sun's gravity differed from Newton's description when the colossal distance between it and Uranus was taken into account. It was also possible that the error had been made in observation. The third possibility, however, was that Uranus's orbit was being altered or perturbed by another gravitational body. As we now know, subsequent searching led to the discovery of Neptune and the understanding that it had in fact been affecting Uranus's orbit. Neptune has 17 times the mass of Earth and is also denser than Uranus, despite Uranus's larger diameter. But what does this mean for Planet X? Well, even before the discovery of Neptune, there was a debate within the scientific community about whether or not one planet alone could cause the discrepancy in the Uranian orbit. A German astronomer and director of the Gotha Observatory at the time is reported to have hypothesized as early as 1934 that one planet would not have sufficient gravitational pull to explain the motions of Uranus, and conjectured that there must be two planets beyond Uranus. After the discovery of Neptune, there was still widespread speculation about the existence of a further planet. In 1848, French physicist Jacques Babinet hypothesized that there was a planet with 12 times the mass of Earth beyond Neptune, which he referred to as Hyperion. Scottish astronomer George Forbes calculated that there must be two trans-Neptunian planets, based on the study of the paths of several comets conducted by Camille Flammarion in 1879. By the turn of the 20th century, William Henry Pickering, former director of the Harvard College Observatory, was leading two searches for trans-Neptunian planets. However, both searches came up empty-handed. Does this mean that Planet X simply doesn't exist? The fact that we haven't yet found a ninth planet doesn't necessarily mean that it's not out there, though. It's possible that we just haven't made the technological advancements necessary to see it yet. Remember, Neptune isn't visible to the naked eye. Although it has brightened since 1980 with a now average apparent magnitude of 7.78, it's still easily outshone by multiple celestial bodies, including Jupiter's Galilean moons, the dwarf planet Ceres, and even several asteroids, specifically four Vesta, two Pallas, seven Iris, three Juno, and six Hebe. Until the invention of the famous Hubble Space Telescope, it was a challenge to observe Neptune even with a telescope. Now, with advances in telescopic recording and other technology, it's easier to visualize Neptune. But even now, some of the best footage we have of Neptune, such as this false color image taken from Voyager 2 in 1996, leaves a lot to be desired with regards to exact details. With an average distance of 4.5 billion kilometers from the Sun, Neptune is simply too far away for us to garner much information about it at all. 
It's for that reason that it's easy to see how another planet even further away could still be evading us. Now, you might be asking, what about Pluto? True, Pluto is even further away than Neptune and yet has been observed since 1930. In fact, at this time, it was even believed to be Planet X. But the discovery of Pluto was a stroke of luck. Clyde Tombaugh, a Kansas farm boy, had been serendipitously handed the job of locating Planet X at the Lowell Observatory, replacing Percival Lowell, who was widely known for his dedication to finding Planet X all the way up to his death. Taking photos of patches of the night sky two weeks apart, he tracked the entire zodiac. Then, by chance, in January of 1930, two of his photos of Gemini detected movement. This breakthrough led to the discovery of Pluto, which he named in honor of Lowell. Ultimately, it transpired that Pluto did not have the gravitational pull necessary to be the planet they were actually looking for, but it renewed hope that another planet could be found with the right technology and the right timing. We're still discovering TNOs in this century, such as Eris, and with each improvement of technology we come closer and closer to settling this case. However, there are other explanations that scientists have been investigating for these several orbital discrepancies. Scientists from the University of Cambridge and the American University of Beirut published their theory in 2019 that the unusual orbits of TNOs can be explained by their combined gravitational force as they orbit the Sun, as opposed to the existence of a ninth planet beyond Neptune. They propose there could be a disk made up of smaller, icy TNOs, and that these together could constitute a mass up to ten times the size of Earth's. If true, this is a game-changer for how scientists have been pursuing the questions about the unusual orbits of these exoplanets, and could be a nail in the coffin for Planet X. There's more that could disprove the theory of the ninth planet, though. Voyager 2 space mission flyby of Neptune in 1989 reassessed the mass of the giant planet, and subsequent calculations put it at 0.5% less than previously thought. Though seemingly a minuscule percentage, it made a massive difference. In actuality, Neptune's mass was more comparable to that of Mars, and when that fact is taken into account, the anomalies in Uranus's orbit practically disappear. The readjusted mass of Neptune explains why Uranus's orbit seemed erroneous and explains away the scientific need for a ninth planet to exist. This is why many scientists today have reached a consensus that if a ninth planet does exist, it's not the one that scientists of the 20th century expected. But does this mean the end for any hopes of discovering another planet out there? Not quite. Just because there is no longer any evidence pointing to a giant planet close enough to alter the orbits of Neptune and Uranus doesn't mean that there isn't another planet further out. Like we said before, Neptune is so far away that we don't have the technology yet to get a clear picture of it, so it's not beyond the imagination that a planet could exist beyond it with an orbit so vast that we haven't managed to track it down yet and there is still evidence to support this idea. Take the orbit of the planetoid Sedna, a TNO that was discovered in 2003. 
its orbit is incredibly erratic and cannot be explained by any gravitational body we've observed thus far. While some theories proposed are that its orbit has been affected by the gravitational pull of an undiscovered star, other theories propose that the gravitational pull of a distant giant planet could explain it too. However, while Mike Brown, the astronomer who discovered Sedna, has stated that the balance of probabilities lies with there being another planet beyond Neptune, that it's unlikely the planet would achieve anything beyond dwarf planet status due to the amount of uncleared planetoids and gravitational objects in its vicinity. Is there a planet X out there? While the jury is still out on what exactly is out there, we can say for certain that with the advancements we've been making in technology and with the determination of astronomers worldwide, someday we'll find out. The New Horizons probe that flew by Pluto in 2015 didn't detect any large unknown planets on its journey but it did capture the surface and secrets of Pluto like we've never seen before. Click here to see exactly what New Horizons discovered on the surface of Pluto. Thanks for watching Elder Fox. Remember to subscribe and hit the bell to keep up to date with the latest discoveries. Hi, my name is David Morrison. I'm a NASA space scientist and I want to talk to you very briefly about Nibiru. I'm doing this because I received a note from a 12-year-old girl recently that said she wondered if the video I made two years ago was still valid, that she and her classmates were scared about Nibiru, and could I please explain from a science point of view why we know Nibiru is not real and is not a danger. You know, the, the simplest thing to say is just that there is no credible evidence whatever for the existence of Nibiru. Uh, there are no pictures, there's no tracking, there's no astronomical observations. In fact, the origin of the name is a little weird. Nibiru was a minor god in the Babylonian pantheon, probably associated with Jupiter. There's no record that they ever thought of it as a planet. Sometimes we talk about planet X, but that's a strange term too, because astronomers say planet X for an object that has not been found, a, a possible object like Pluto. When it was being searched for, it was called Planet X. Once it was found, it became Pluto. So it really isn't any evidence here to counter, but I can quite specifically say how we know that Nibiru or Planet X does not exist and does not threaten the Earth. First, if there were a planet headed into the inner solar system, that was going to come close to the Earth in December of 2012. It would already be inside the orbit of Mars. It would be bright. It would be easily visible to the naked eye. If it were up there, you could see it. All of us could see it. And the crazy thing is people who say they are observing it but never tell us where to look so we can verify. Well, it doesn't take an astronomer to say that there's no bright object up there that's appeared in the night sky and is headed for Earth. Second, if Nibiru were real, and it were a planet with a substantial mass, then it would already be perturbing the orbits of Mars and the Earth. We would see changes in those orbits due to this rogue object coming into the inner solar system. Astronomers measure the orbit of Earth 
and Mars precisely and frequently, and there has been no change whatever. Third, and perhaps most telling, if this object had come through the solar system in the past, and, and you remember the, the idea is it's on an orbit of 3,600 years, if it had come through in the past, its gravity would have messed up the orbits of the inner planets, the Earth, Venus, Mars, probably would have stripped the moon away completely. Instead, in the inner solar system, we see planets with stable orbits. We see the moon going around the Earth. The very existence of the stability in the inner solar system proves that no rogue planet, no interfering object has come through the inner solar system in at least a million years. So it's not real. Bibiru doesn't exist. We can't see it. We can't detect its gravity and we don't see a signature of its previous passages because there weren't any. Now some people change the story around and say, well, Nibiru isn't even a planet, it's a brown dwarf with planets going around it or, or something like that. Everything I've said would be worse with a massive object like a brown dwarf. That would have been tracked by astronomers for a decade or more and it would already have really affected planetary orbits. So please, Get over it. Nibiru isn't real. Planet X isn't real. We don't have to worry about this hoax. So the writing was on the wall that Pluto's days were numbered. <laughs> well, in the 1990s, there's a folk singer who took note of this. And I'm a big fan of when science influences the creativity of artists where science becomes the artist's muse. And I heard this song called Planet X. No, I will not sing it. I have something better. I will get the original writer and performer of Planet X, Christine Lavin. Come on out, Christine Lavin. I want a hug from you, Christine. In my book, The Pluto Files, chronicling the rise and decline of Pluto, I had to make sure that every word of every lyric from her song Planet X is in an appendix of that book because it is itself a lesson plan in the plight of America's favorite planet. And you agreed graciously at 2 o'clock this afternoon to come in here and sing this song for us. So Christy Lavin. Yeah. In Arizona, at the turn of the 20th century, astromathematician Percival Lowell was searching for what he called Planet X, because he knew deep down in his soul that an unseen gravitational presence meant a new planet spinning in the air, joining the other eight already known, circling our sun up there. Percival Lowell died in 1916, his theory only a theory, till 1930 when Clyde Tombaugh, in a scientific query, discovered planet X 3.7 billion miles from our sun, a smallish ball of frozen rock, methane and nitrogen. It joined Mercury, Venus, Earth, Mars, Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus, and Neptune. 
solar system's newest neighbor, two-thirds the size of our moon. A tiny, barely visible speck, cold, minus 440 below. Not exactly paradise. They name the planet... Yes! <laughs> That same year, 1930, Walt Disney debuted his own Pluto as well. But a cartoon dog with the very same name as the CEO of hell. Oh, that was not your normal Disney style. Most thought he was riding the coattails of Plutomania sweeping the land. Not unlike our modern love for manatees and whales. For the next five decades, mysterious Pluto captivated our minds. As late as 1978, its own moon, Charon, was seen for the very first time. But now, satellites and telescopes and computer calculations say that Pluto may not be a planet at all, creating great consternation. Some scientists say that Pluto is a trans-Neptunian interloper swept away by an unknown force. Or a remnant of a wayward comet somehow sucked off course. Others say Pluto is an asteroid in the sun's gravitational pull. But if you had asked Clyde Tomball, he would have told you that's all bull. I'll get hundreds of letters from kids every year, he says. It's Pluto, the planet they love. It's not Pluto the comet, it's not Pluto the asteroid. They wonder about above. And at the International Astronomical Union Working Group for Planetary System Nomenclature. <laughs> You're probably the first audience who knows that's a real club. <laughs> <laughs> They too say that Pluto is a planet Reinforcing Clyde Tombaugh's view of nature Norwegian Carrie Exness Professor at the Theoretical Astrophysics Institute He too says Pluto is a planet And a significant one to boot But at the University of Colorado Astronomer Larry Esposito Says if Pluto were discovered today it would not be a planet End of discussion, finito. He says that Pluto was definitely not spun off from solar matter like the other eight planets we know. By every scientific measurement we have, is Pluto a planet? No. And now many astronomy textbooks refer to Pluto as less than a planet. I guess if Pluto showed up at a planet convention, the bouncer might be forced to ban it. St. Christopher is looking down on this, and he says, Pluto, I can relate. When I was demoted from sainthood, I gotta tell you, little buddy, it didn't feel real great. And Scorpios look up in despair, because Pluto rules their sign. Is now reading their daily horoscope just a futile waste of time? It takes 248 Earth years for Pluto to circle our sun. It's tiny and it's cold, but of all heavenly bodies, it was Clyde Tombaugh's favorite one. Till he was 92, he worked every day in Las Cruces, New Mexico, determined to maintain the planetary status of his beloved Pluto. But how now do we deal with it? 
scientists think they have proof that Pluto is never a planet. How do we handle this truth? As the PhDs all disagree, who is wrong, who is right? But wherever you are, whatever you are, Pluto, we know you're up there tonight. And on July 14th, you got to see the new Horizons Express. Fly by and take pictures of your way cool surface to send to your webpage address. S-E-E-P-L-U-T-O-N-O-W.com. See PlutoNow.com. You got your own webpage for little guy Pluto? You're the Yes, at the turn of the 20th century, astro-mathematician Percival Lowell in his quest for Planet X started this ball to roll. But here in the 21st century, we think he may have been a little off base. So we look at the sky and wonder what new surprises await us in outer space. We look at the sky and we wonder 